0: The Women's Health Project is produced on Gadigal land as well as other parts of Australia. In the spirit of reconciliation, Women's Agenda acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and future and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today.
1: So it all started with my own little hot flush. It was the first lockdown. I'm sitting in here. I think I was doing a puzzle book or something. And I just got this kind of weird sensation. It was kind of like a, in retrospect, a hot flush, but I didn't really know what it was. And I was like, okay, fine. That was weird. All right. Maybe it's just, you know, it wasn't that warm weather, but whatever. Happened a few more times. Suddenly I was like, oh my God, is this menopause? Oh my goodness, could it be menopause? And then I'm thinking, I'm in the age range. And then I thought to myself, why don't I know what's going on? How could I possibly not know? It opened up a whole new secret world for me. How did something
0: that 51% of the population have or will experience become a secret world? Today, we're talking about menopause. And of course, it's not a secret world. It's actually the world. But for some reason, it's not so frequently discussed. And while it's not an area of women's health that necessarily lacks treatment options, It is one that can lack sensitivity, seeing women again feeling sidelined, dismissed and ignored. My name is Angela Priestley and this is the Women's Health Project, a special podcast series created by Women's Agenda and supported by Organon, the recently launched pharmaceutical company dedicated to a better and healthier everyday for every woman. And in today's part of the project, we're talking about menopause, particularly how we can get everyone from the healthcare sector to the general community and workplaces better appreciating and supporting women experiencing this. Thank you for listening. There's a stat I learned in the course of this research that floored me. That is that women aged 45 to 49 years have the highest age-specific suicide rate and accounted for the highest proportion of female suicides in 2020, according to causes of death data from the Australian Bureau of Statistics. Of course, there is no one single reason for this, and we certainly can't dismiss the loads women disproportionately take on, particularly around caring responsibilities, along with the risk of violence and discrimination that may make her vulnerable. This group is, as we know, at significant risk of feeling the weight and pull of multiple loads, something that we discussed in episode two. But this age group does also coincide with a significant hormonal change occurring in females around this stage. The average age for menopause in Australia is 51. But the change, as it's sometimes known, often starts occurring years earlier. For these reasons, Professor Jay-Sharie Kilkani has been pursuing research in and speaking out about perimenopausal depression. Professor Kilkani is the founder of the Monash Alfred Psychiatry Research Centre and she wants more women to know that help is available. So somehow we've
2: managed to just kind of overlook this dreadful statistic. And again, you know, if we had a focus on women's mental health, these sorts of things wouldn't go under the radar and we'd be able to provide meaningful, tailored treatments for, say, menopausal women in this instance to actually improve their outcomes and prevent some of those terrible, tragic stories.
0: You'll hear more from Professor Kokani in a moment. Before we get there, I want to share an admission. I had not thought a lot about menopause before pursuing this project. We've published pieces over the years on women's agenda and it's been on my radar professionally, but personally, I kind of sensed its inevitability, but not so much more beyond the thought that when I reached that stage, I might experience a few mood swings, some hot flushes, and then my periods would stop. I haven't discussed what menopause might be like with my female friends of a similar age. Not like we would have discussed what getting your period may have been like when we were little girls. And yet menopause is something every one of us has or will experience. It's something our mothers, sisters and friends experience, something our female colleagues experience. And it's something women are experiencing during what is often the height of their careers, particularly now, given the major demographic shifts we've seen in the workplace, and as more women are not only returning to the workforce after having kids, but pursuing some of their biggest career ambitions in their late 40s and early 50s. Still, there have been some promising developments around menopause. We are now seeing conversations about menopause at work, even just in the last few months. Australia's chief scientist, Dr. Cathy Foley, spoke about menopause during a major speech in September, urging employers to ensure that women's careers don't stall when they have children or when they experience menopause, and for the creation of bigger conversations in the workplace about the impact of menopause on women's careers. We've also seen internationally how employers have started introducing menopause leave, including Kellogg's, a major employer internationally, as well as Future Super, an employer here in Australia. And a couple of studies here have raised national attention of menopause, with Circle in and the Victorian Women's Trust sharing research this year finding that almost half of women experiencing menopause consider retiring or taking a break from work, and 76% are calling for better employer support. As Mary Crooks, AO, said on these findings, it's research like this that confirms we've reached a special moment in time because when we lift the lid on menstruation generally, including on menopause, we change both our private and public worlds for the better. All of this brings me to Katie Harris, who you heard from at the top of the episode describing the hot flush she experienced, the secret world that she felt she'd entered and what she describes as a pandemic
1: project that she started as a result. So, of course, as a researcher, I started doing my research, went into this rabbit hole, and realized at the end of this that yes, it was most likely menopause that nobody was talking about it. And the more I looked into it, the more I realized it was seen to be a private life experience, so something that happened behind closed doors, something that happened in women's private lives, not out in public. And, of course, that's just rubbish because it's 24-7. You can have a hot flush time any time of the day and you can have the symptoms any time of the day. And menopause happens over sometimes a very long period of time, public or private, but the conversations and the feeling was that it was a very private thing.
0: Katie Harris is the co-founder and research director of Zebra Research, a business she's been running for 20 years. She describes her work as being about listening to people and understanding their issues. So when menopause personally and physically grabbed her attention, she started researching menopause personally and conducted multiple interviews with women about their
1: experiences of menopause at work. I also realised the huge lack of information out there and understanding about menopause. And on the back of that, a whole lot of misinformation. So I saw this as a public health failure and took it upon myself <laughs> to went on a mission because all women go through menopause, right? All women, half the population go through menopause. 80% of them will have symptoms. So 60% will have mild to moderate symptoms. And when I say that, I don't mean like, oh, does this little kind of, you know, whatever. It's something that will affect the quality of their life. 20% will have severe symptoms, and that's like can be debilitating. And then there's 20% who kind of sail through and very pleased for them, but it's not the average experience. And typically, those symptoms will last from four to eight years. It um, could be a little less, it could be way more.
0: Katie raises a critical point regarding how long symptoms will last which takes us to the idea of the hot flush and what we typically associate with menopause, which is actually the pause, the end, the cessation of periods. But that's far from the full story. This is Professor Jayshree Kulkani. Yeah, and unfortunately, even the menopause
2: story is a really badly understood or not understood situation amongst health practitioners and the community. Because in fact, menopause begins in the brain. 51 is the end of menopause. So beginning in the brain, it's about 42, 43. And then beginning in the brain means with um, depression and with anxiety and with panic and with cognitive decline in memory and so on. And ending with cessation of periods and hot flushes. And everybody focuses on the hot flushes. But that's not the thing that disturbs quality of life as much as the actual mental state. And so, you know, we need to understand these things. really quite astounded that in a sophisticated mental health aware country like australia we've somehow managed to not apply that sophistication and understanding for half the population i'm a very strong feminist and i don't like people saying things like well you know then you can't trust the perimenopausal woman to be the president and have the finger on the nuclear button or whatever it's not about that it's actually saying okay We now have a situation where we have capacity to enable and empower women to be able to take charge of her own functionality so that she doesn't have to drop the level of high level of executive functioning that she has in the workplace, in relationships, in families. You know, it's her right to have a good quality of life throughout and here is a time when she might be needing that extra understanding. And we have the tools to be able to offer her a range of different options. But it means that the health practitioner community and the general community need to understand that this is uh, you know, where you go and this is what you need to do for help at this time. Otherwise it becomes that standard Antidepressant, psychotherapeutic sort of bent, which can have a little bit of effect, no doubt, but it's not targeting the issue. So mm. there's an example: we're not understanding the um, needs of women as different from men uh, leads to poor outcomes for many, many middle-aged women, and is the worst worst outcome of completed suicide.
0: Katie Harris believes this is a core workplace issue that's just not getting the attention it deserves. Especially given the changing workforce patterns. In 1978, just 47% of women aged 45 to 55 were participating in the workforce. By
1: 2018, that figure had jumped to 80%. So, you've got women who are at the pinnacle of their careers or just moving on that trajectory into senior leadership positions. They've got so much experience, they've got so much to contribute. And then menopause can and often does come and knock them sideways. And without good information and good support, that can mean that a lot of women who could be such incredible assets to organisations are leaving the workforce. Anyway, so not only that, I mean, it taps into so many issues. It's gender equity. So workplaces are not necessarily designed for women's bodies. We're biologically different. And that's not often taken into consideration. So it's a, an equity issue. It's an inclusion issue. So the opportunity to participate fully in the workplace. Again, that's, you know, menopause can really derail that. It's about well being, of course, it's about productivity. It's also for workplaces about managing risk. So you look at the
0: fair work... Katie's one of those people he can say has had a productive pandemic. Just over 12 months since experiencing that first hot flush and going down a research deep dive, she's developed a range of tools for workplaces to tap into. And she says that with the interviews she did with women, she couldn't help but notice the enthusiasm of those participating, how much they wanted to share, how good they could feel to know that they could open up and realise that they were not alone but it's not just the workplace. Katie also believes that healthcare providers do need a better understanding of what women are experiencing and feeling during menopause. One doctor who is well across menopause is Dr. Julia Menzies, a Sydney-based GP with a special interest in women's health who has done extensive training through Family Planning New South Wales and has been involved in teaching other doctors about menopause. She found there are significant gaps in the understanding of menopause among doctors, as well as lingering concerns and controversies regarding hormone replacement therapy, which might be seeing women dismissed when they approach a GP with their concerns.
3: I found that a lot of doctors didn't really know much about it. So Um, I just got really interested in it that way. And then in terms of my clinical practice, I suppose I just kept seeing more and more women coming to see me, having not been able to get any help with their regular GP or perhaps had a male GP and they were too embarrassed to talk to the male GP about their problems. And so I realized that there was this whole section of society that were having all these issues that were really not being addressed at all. And people would come to me being quite desperate. And I realized that there was really a huge need out there for more doctors to be informed and trained. in in how to help women through the menopause.
0: Dr Menzies is supporting Katie Harris with the awareness program she's created and she also notes the secret society that Katie mentions highlighting how a lot of her female patients cite embarrassment, shame and discomfort about what they are going through but she also notes challenges for the medical profession in overcoming concerns about available treatments.
3: Certainly I have a lot of women tell me that you know that there's lots of things that they talk to their friends about, but they may not talk to them about this kind of thing because they they also feel embarrassed about it. Also, from the medical perspective, I think a lot of doctors either just don't have the training in it. But also there was such, I guess, HRT um, or MHT as it's also known, menopausal hormone treatment, got such a bad wrap in the early 2000s after the WHI study, the Women's Health Initiative study was published. And there was a great media sensation um, because it highlighted all these possible risks of around HRT. And so overnight, you know, people just stopped using HRT and women and the medical profession have still struggled to overcome this problem that happened. In fact, you know, when there was subsequent analysis of the data, um, the risks were vastly overstated and the groups that they were studying were women in their 60s and 70s who are not the people that would normally be taking HRTs. There were a lot of issues around the study, but unfortunately all anyone remembers is HRT is dangerous and so this message still is perpetuated, unfortunately, by some members of the medical community as well, which is a real shame.
0: I asked Dr. Julia Menzies what she wants more women to know about menopause.
3: Well, I think it's important. I mean, every woman should know that menopause is going to happen to every woman at some point in their life and the average age in Australia is 51, but there's quite a wide variation around that. And some people can go through menopause early, so before the age of 40. So it's important just for women to have it on their radar because I think sometimes people think it doesn't happen until a lot later or maybe it won't really affect them. And some people have very few symptoms or no symptoms at all. But the vast majority of women will have some symptoms. And it's important to know that although menopause is a natural process – some of the symptoms can be really quite debilitating and there are some very effective treatments out there. So there isn't a need for women to suffer in silence because there are effective treatments. And so I think one of the main symptoms that women can present with are things like hot flushes and night sweats, um, disturbed sleep. And these are things that people would maybe typically recognise as menopause symptoms. But then there's also other women whose symptoms may be more mood changes. And so they may have developed anxiety for the first time in their life, having never been an anxious person before. Or they may be having depression. Other people might be having other more subtle symptoms like joint aches and pains. And other people, their main symptom might be that they've noticed some vaginal dryness and sex has now become painful. So sometimes these symptoms are not, people don't realize that they are due to menopause. So I guess I would encourage women to be aware of there's a whole range of symptoms that can and indicate menopause or perimenopause, which is the time leading up to menopause, and to really encourage them to to talk to a doctor about it. Dr. Menzies adds that she wants people
0: to understand there are a wide range of treatments and options available, including lifestyle changes around diet and exercise. And she really encourages women to find a healthcare professional who will listen, and that's even if the first, second or third does not. There are good resources available too. The Australasian Menopause Society offers a huge number of resources on their website, menopause.org.au. Dr Menzi said, with the conversations going on at a public level and what we've seen in the past few months in workplaces, that she is optimistic.
3: I think if women can be more informed as to the treatment options and also if if doctors can also be more informed as well and have more confidence in prescribing these effective treatments, it could be really quite life-changing for women. You know, as we've mentioned, women are really often in the peak of their careers at the time when menopause is going to hit, and I've had I've had a lot of patients come to me and say that it's interfering with their work. They can't perform properly at work. Some people have even considered giving up work because of the symptoms that they're experiencing, which is terrible. And so I think that you know, if more people were better informed about menopause and about the treatment options that are available, then. We could have a much more productive workforce. Women would have a better quality of life and, yeah, things would just be so much better for women. So I do hope that with increased publicity and awareness around menopause, we can definitely achieve this. There
0: is cause for optimism when it comes to menopause,
3: but there is also
0: a lot of reasons to put more work into this topic. More understanding and support for those experiencing menopause and that's everywhere from healthcare providers to the community and workplaces. We have discussed a lot in today's episode. If you are someone you know has mental health concerns you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or you can contact Beyond Blue on 1300 224 636. The Women's Health Project is produced by Agenda Media, publisher of Women's Agenda. This project is editorially independent, but made possible thanks to the support of Organon, the recently launched pharmaceutical company dedicated to a better and healthier every day for every woman. Thank you to today's guests for joining us today. Thank you to our producer, Alison Ho, for putting the show together. If you did like the show, you can help us out by leaving a review, which really helps others to find the show. You may also want to check out our previous episodes and subscribe to the feed. Thank you for listening.